I'm, I'm definitely feeling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of PHP Town Hall. Um, this time, we're talking uh, with with Matt Frost and Jessica D'Amico um, about uh, some conferences, uh, past and present, uh, or past and future. Sorry, um, and uh, and we're going to be talking a little bit about working remotely and, and what that can be like. Uh, so, uh, if you guys are ready to introduce yourselves, say say like a, a quick bit about you. Uh, Matt Frost, you go first. All right. Yep, as Phil said, I'm Matt Frost, um, senior engineer at Cinecore. Um, openly involved with the Pyro CMS project, which Phil runs, and um, started recently contributing to Joined In. So, yeah, big open source um, fan, I guess, for lack of a better word. Uh, and I just recently moved from Chicago to Cleveland. Oh, that snap. That's bad timing that you just moved because uh, each time I was in Chicago, we were always saying we're going to meet up, and then I was usually too drunk hanging out at a hostel to actually get around to coming to meet you. And yeah. uh, now I'm going there. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm happened. gone. That's, that's a true story. <laughs> but uh, now, now we're actually coming to, uh, to Chicago for PiersConf. You're not going to be there. That's, un- that's unfortunate. Yeah, I'll be, in, uh, I'll be in Dallas for Lone Star PHP that week. Okay, yeah, a bit of a bit of a conference connoisseur, then, eh? Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, and speaking of PeersConf, um, Jessica D'Amico is is running uh, that conference or the organization of it, at least. Um, Jess, you'd like to chat about what you do, your involvement with that? Sure. Uh, I'm organizing PeersConf. I am a web geek based in Washington D.C. and also just started in the past year organizing some events and throwing some tech conferences on the side of general web development and design that I do. And um, it's something that I think I'm a little bit good at. I'm good with people and paying attention to just stuff and throwing a good party sort of and um, having a good time with it. I think people go to a conference to sort of balance learning something new and having a good time. So, Yeah, I can attest to that. Um I uh, Laracon in Washington. That was a that was a great crack. Um, oh, I don't think we had any complaints. I didn't see any complaints. I think there's one guy that complained about like a couple of the talks, but that was just <laughs> that guy being a dick. I think. Um, like I didn't see that there was no problem, and it's one of the first one of the first conferences I've been to where there hasn't been like, oh no, someone said a sexist joke or wore a bad T-shirt or something. You know what I mean? It was just a good, clean conference. Uh, no, no real problems and. Um, the speaker's dinner was amazing. That was the best pizza I've ever had, I think. So, yeah. I'm glad you had a good time. <laughs> we, uh, <laughs> I, we got, I think, lucky, and we did a lot of planning in advance. So Piers, uh, sorry, Laracon um, went off really, really well. It just, it all came together really well, and working with the Userscape crew was really terrific as well. So that was just a good little team. Yeah, and the the venues were good as well. The um, where was it the first night? I, I can't remember the name of the company. The the first day um, what was the company. That that the first was? day we were we were down at some living social event That's space yeah. down in down in DC. So that was kind of a really cool space for us. I thought it was a little bit different than sometimes you see spaces for conferences, um, sort of big and off, open, lofty kind of feeling. And then I loved that yeah. they had the bar downstairs that we could just walk downstairs to. So we wanted to try to blend a little bit of keeping everybody together, but giving them something social to do. And if you have sponsors at an event, they can get behind sort of throwing a cocktail hour and knowing that that's their piece of it. So that worked out really, really well for us. 
yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I like most about um, about some some styles of conference, right? You've got, like, there's loads of different types of conference around, but uh, when you have something like um, something like Laracon and, and kind of CICon, I guess, were fairly similar for anyone that ended up going to those. I know, Ben, you did. Um, it, it's, like, there's the, the, the massive, very corporate, uh, like, $1,000 entry fee sort of things where it's all like we're in a massive auditorium room and it's all very serious and or there's the the slightly smaller um it's slightly cheaper not to put that in a negative way but you know like slightly 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 not lower end i'm trying to intimate yeah like cozy cozy and intimate are the words they usually end up using and that's not to try and put a nice word on a bad thing it's like they are smaller and more friendly and you do get a closer feeling it's not the the us and them of the speakers it's like we're all interested in this thing, we're going to talk about it and then have a few drinks, and, and that's probably going to be as much fun as the the actual learning as well. I feel like almost everyone I meet in the development community always says to me almost immediately, "I'm really an introvert," and um, you know, I think if if you can keep it to a smaller crowd, everybody has a better time. Definitely, I've been to my share of big conferences and small, and the small conferences always have a very different feel. It's a lot easier to and move around and meet people and it's not quite as intimidating now while we're on the subject of conferences we can't really discuss this without mentioning the sexual harassment issues that keep coming up so what are your guys thoughts on that so yeah i think laracon was one of the uh the smoothest conferences i've been to uh in a while um it was uh you see pretty much every other week some shit exploding about like there was this sexist thing at this conference because someone made a joke or like this was only a bunch of white dudes so obviously everyone's racist that organized it or some crap that someone started on twitter but i think this completely avoided any of those problems it was it was a good educational conference for 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 everyone that's involved um there's a lot of good fun socials at like a bunch of different bars it was a it was a nice it was a nice feeling to it um do you think there was anything specifically that you did to, to avoid that or was it was it lucky or what do you think I think it was a combination of things actually um, I think my perspective throwing conferences as a female organizer is probably a little bit different than some people's um, if I'm not as completely enmeshed maybe in the community that the conference is for and I think that that can be helpful especially when just approaching an event uh, we did discuss it as part of sort of the userscape team um, throwing the conference in advance. And I think you probably remember that Taylor reached out to our speakers and I think to our community at large just to sort of say that he feels very strongly that the Laravel community is one that's very welcoming and very community oriented. And I would have to say that our attendees sort of bore that out. We, we were a hundred person conference. We had people from at least 10 countries attending, um, People were really, really excited to come to Laracon, and I think that that goodwill just sort of permeated everything, and and people were really excited to meet people for the first time that they had only sort of Skyped with or, you know, spoken to on the IRC channel and and things like that. So I think all of it contributes, but I think you do need to be aware of making, hopefully, an environment that's comfortable for everybody who's there. Right. Um, I'll tell you what, something uh, something pretty funny about the... The email that the Taylor sent out to the speakers, we were we were told to you know cut the curse words and, and be polite and obviously like don't be ridiculous or racist or sexist, which didn't need to be said, but I think they said it for the sake of it. Um, and uh, something pretty funny that happened, I, I got a little bit uh, annoyed with 
I was initially annoyed when they're like, you can't use any swear words. I'm like, what if I accidentally, you know, drop an F-bomb? And they were like, no, that's not okay. And I was like, ah! Um, and I, I tweeted something like, um, the only thing more annoying than being told uh, not to... Uh, the only thing more annoying than being told how to act like a normal person at a conference is the fact that we need to, right? Which is, like, it's so stupid when you go to a conference and they're like, don't grab people's breasts and stuff. Like, it's, ah, it's so stupid that these rules have to exist, but I understand that they do. Um, and then in response, Taylor, Taylor sent out an email um, saying, we're going to confiscate um, phones for all the speakers uh, during the event of, uh, during the Laracon event, just to make sure that nobody says anything on Twitter during the space of the, talk, space of the conference without our approval. So my initial immediate reaction to this was all caps, angry, raging, <laughs> good luck with the conference, you can find somebody else, blah, 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 fuck you, just really angry. It's like, yeah, you can, you can pry my phone from my cold dead finger sort of thing. Um, and it turns out he sent out an email to every one of the speakers, apart from me, saying, this next email specifically doesn't involve Phil. I'm playing a prank on him just to wind him up. Let's see what he says. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, if, if, you, if you reply, only reply saying you think this is a really good idea. <laughs> so I flipped my shit. Like, it was a really angry response. I sent, like, two of them. They weren't great. I think I, uh, I DM'd Zach, and I was like, dude, what do you think about this? And he didn't – he only saw my response and not the, the email before it that was like, guys, don't respond. Uh, this is a joke. So he flipped his shit as well, and we're both just really angry. <laughs> and then Taylor hopped on Skype. He's like, dude, I was kidding. Here's a screenshot. I was like, oh, that's so much better. <laughs> I think that's perfect. It's kind of knowing your audience, even within just your little speaker subset. It was yeah. pretty funny. Oh, no, it's a good community of people. I think that's probably why we avoided any trouble, just because the, the Laravel community is still relatively small in the in the grand scheme of you know people that use other frameworks. It's relatively new on the scene. It's it's you know smaller than Codeniter or other ones, but it is picking up a lot of speed. So I think we have a smaller, smaller, more friendly community. We're all interested in seeing it work out and seeing it grow, which is why there were there weren't people like actively trying to sabotage it on Twitter just because there were quite a lot of white dudes in the audience. You know, like it, it's uh, for the best. I think. I think so. I mean, I think it's a concern. Obviously, from my perspective, the the more diverse and the, and the more views you get of people presenting, that that's a good thing for everyone. But um, it just, I think, the first time we were really weren't sure who was going to be part of that from a content perspective, and we sort of looked at it as like the community is so is growing and emerging, and so next year, you know, things will be different because we'll have a whole different set of people that we maybe weren't even aware of before. And that's an interesting point sort of looking forward to. Looking forward to Laracon next year, just to see how, how it grows upon, uh, upon, upon yeah, last year. I, I cannot confirm or deny that that is happening, but I assume talks, there will be one. Talks I mean, I are being had. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was going to ask you actually if you're involved or what's going on. I know Laracon EU is happening in August 28th, right. 29th, I think. Someone should probably Google that. But uh, I, know, I, know, I know you is... won't be involved with that. It's, it's the European folks taking over. But will maybe there be another one in the U- US? It's, it's looking like uh, like that is a, a good possibility. We've started to have some conversations and, and started to look at some potential spots and um you know I, th- I think we'll be excited before too long nice that's, that's just vague enough to, to keep people <laughs> interested uh, <laughs> uh so what we're speaking of conferences uh matt how, you you went to php tech how did you think that worked out 
That was good. Yeah. Um, so I went to last year. Actually, I got to go to PHP Tech, but I only got to go for a day. So um, I got to go for all three days this time, and uh, it kind of marked my my one year anniversary of being actively involved in the PHP community. So it was kind of a night and day experience for me, but uh, a lot of really great talks. Um, you know, one specifically to point out because I know uh, he's gained a lot of attention. Um, in the last couple months, I guess, was Ed Finkler gave his uh, open sourcing mental illness talk at the Uncon for the first time. Nice. Glad to hear that worked out. Yeah, we yeah. had him on PHP Town Hall chatting about that a while ago. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the response to that talk was, was pretty overwhelming. He Pretty overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, it was, it was a great talk. Um, Good. I, can't believe, I can't believe it would be negative feedback to that. I think if you've got right. uh, something angry to say about mental illness, then you're probably an asshole. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but I mean, everyone, I mean, it was, um, it was just very raw. I mean, it was, it, it took a lot of courage for him to get up there and share a lot of that stuff. And I think everybody was pretty overwhelmingly, um, not only supportive, but, but encouraging as well. So that was cool. Um, yeah, the, you had mentioned that, you know, uh, talking about smaller conferences a little bit and obviously PHP tech's kind of on the, uh, other end of that spectrum, but, um, they do a really good job of shuffling speakers, you know, so, if you go and, you know, like last year, there were very few people that I saw that spoke last year that spoke again this year. Um, and I think they make a, a conscious effort to do that, try to get new speakers and new content. And just a lot of really, really good talks on uh, just a, a pretty wide range of things. That's good because that is something that a lot of conferences don't seem to do. So if you go to you know, three conferences in a row, you feel like you went to the same conference just repeated sometimes. Right. Travel to a different place. Yeah, I think we see that in the overall web community a lot too, and that it, it sort of creates this kind of little rise of superstars. And I think if you can try to pay attention also to who's in the audience and what they do, and and try to approach them, and and say, you know, why aren't you up on that stage giving a talk? Because uh, I know you're doing some great stuff, and and maybe you should think about it. I think people sometimes aren't always ready to come forward on their own and say, oh, I, I'm ready to talk. But if you are talking to them one on one and you realize that they have something great that they're working on, they might be really jazzed up about ideas. Yeah. So yes. on that note, Matt, how did you get started? Because you said you'd only been in the community a year. Have you only been doing PHP a year, or you just started getting involved recently with the community? Yeah, I, I've just been uh, getting involved recently. I've been doing PHP for uh, about seven or eight years. Yeah, I actually got involved uh, through Twitter. Uh, Raphael actually reached out to me about a year ago and um, encouraged me to go to PHP Tech. I was in Chicago at the time, and it was pretty much right in my backyard. So um, I was able to convince my employer to send me up there and then yeah from there which if you follow me on twitter you probably know um i've gotten pretty involved on, on twitter and in the php community over the last year but yeah it was it, it i think the, the focus there too is is split um and i've been to a couple smaller conferences i know phil mentioned i ran into him at uh true north which was which was a bit smaller of a conference and there's there seems to be a pretty good blend of of talks and kind of community-focused activities. So, like, at Tech this year, I got to speak in uh, a mentoring seminar that they put on, which was just, like, a little 10-minute spot where I talked about my role in mentoring and people that have mentored me and people that I've mentored. And it was just really good, really. Uh, for being a big conference, it is still pretty intimate if you're, if you're engaged. 
Um, I think one of the hardest things to do is is to try and uh, get people up on the stage, right? So um, doing CICon did that three years in a row. Technically, there were four, but one of them wasn't my fault. Um, <laughs> the, the, the difficult part is trying to get new people that that aren't used to talking to actually get up on get up on the stage in front of a bunch of people. And I think making that jump from like being someone who knows how to write a bunch of code that's written a bunch of really good projects that's maybe even released a whole bunch of code and they're really they're, like, they're an awesome person behind their their monitor uh, to actually get them to go up in front of uh, 100 people that are staring intently at your face while you talk for 45 minutes that, that's like a really hard bridge to cross right um, oh, yeah. it's, it's scary as shit I mean, Ben you've, you've given a bunch of talks at CICON as well right? I think you've been there twice yeah, um, yeah the first CICON the first CICON was actually my first conference, and I've done several since then, but that first one, as you know, was pretty rough. It lasted, what, a whole 20 minutes when I had a 45-minute oh, yeah. slot? <laughs> so, I mean, there's definitely a learning curve whenever you get started with speaking. It's a different beast. Yeah, I think you see that a lot, with, especially with, like, first-time speakers. Um, you know, rarely are they right on that 45-minute or 50-minute, whatever, whatever the slot is. You know, a lot of times you'll see talks run short or people not be able to get to the end of their slides because they you know they had too much content for that time slot um but it is a totally different skill set yeah like like phil like you said you can be uh, a phenomenal developer but getting up on stage and and presenting and talking to people and having to stare down you know a room full of people yeah is 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 pretty scary (laughs) but the other problem is once you've got to that level of being very experienced um it's it can end up being quite tricky not to be uh, to become branded as one of the talking heads. I think because um, whilst I'm looking at the the tech uh, the tech speakers list, while I don't think any of these people are, are talking heads, I think they always have something useful to say when they say it. I, I do recognise like fifty percent of these people, and um, and their, their talks like this. I'm, a, I'm annoyed, and annoyed I didn't go, and their talks look great, but I do recognise a lot of these people, and I, I think the way what ends up happening quite a lot is either. Um, some conferences actively seek people, right? And you're always going to seek somebody that you know is a good speaker who's given a talk before. So you end up like, someone becomes good at speaking, therefore they get asked to speak more, therefore they become great at speaking, therefore they ask to speak more, and they're just fucking in your face a lot. And yeah. the, other, the other arm of that is um, once you've given some talks and you know that you can give a talk effectively on time uh, fairly well, you end up uh, submitting uh, to a call of papers quite a lot as well, right? So you have this thing where, because you know that you can do it, you put your name out there a lot. So even if they weren't directly coming for you, you get accepted because you apply more. What, it's like either way, either way the conference organizers uh, go, it can become very difficult to avoid having the, the, like, the same people every time. Do, do you guys, either of you know of like, a good way to, to avoid that? Is it just a mixture of like a, I, approach some I, people? I think it- I think it definitely does become a cycle. I think that, you know, what you said is true in that if you have spoken, you're more likely to speak up. I know when I started talking with people about doing peers conference, which we're doing in Chicago in June, um, it was it was kind of like people came out of the woodwork and said, I'm so excited. I want to talk about this or please consider me to talk about this. So I think if you if you do have people who are used to speaking, they are they are the ones who might come forward more quickly and say, you know, I, I, this is something that I've decided to do in my business or do with my career. I want to be part of this conference circuit or I want to I want to be speaking more. So you definitely 
have that. And then you also have people sometimes who might be more lurkers and they might send you an email full of wonderful, wonderful ideas, but not suggest that they give the talk. Just sort of like, a, hey, I've gone to this conference before, I've gone to another conference before, and you know what I really think would be great takeaway is if you could find a way to create a talk that's about X, Y, and Z. And then it sort of you know, behooves you to say, are you the right person for this talk? Maybe you are, maybe it would actually be better served being given by somebody else, but we can take your ideas and you can be part of the process. So I think if you can get a conference organizer who's a little bit more involved and who's working with the speakers sometimes, um, I think there could be a healthy balance between curating topics and also just finding really, really amazing people and letting them run with their own ideas. I guess that's the good thing about the uncough, uncomp format for a lot of people is that it lets you, you know, kind of try out new people and new ideas. So I've seen a lot of conferences kind of moving to that. You know, they'll have maybe a day of unconf or half day, you know, to kind of give you that same structured, curated feel, but then also experiment a little bit. Yeah, that was the, that was the point I was going to make. Um, I'm glad you touched on it, Ben. Uh, the uncomps are, are a great way where, you know, if you were trying to bridge that gap between being a... a developer and you want to move into being a speaker um especially at a lot of the smaller conferences there's usually a lot of slots like at tech people fight for them and they you know they vote for them and there's a lot of people that apply to that conference to speak or submit you know submit a, a proposal that don't get selected so they they bring their ideas to the unconf but at some of the smaller community conferences um the unconf slots are usually easier to get um, and the more that you speak, and uh, even if it's not in an official, you know, this person's a speaker type of role, it certainly doesn't hurt um, getting some talks out there. And if the conference uses Joined In or some other, you know, rating software, uh, being able to point to those talks, like in your in your proposal to another conference, um, helps out a lot too. It's it's a really good way to get started up. I mean, it's like in pretty much any any sector like uh, comedians you know you start off on the open mics open mic sessions just turn up uh, you might not get a go very first time but you'll go along the second time um, and and you know you'll get a chance to to do your bit in front of a bunch of people and that helps build up your confidence enough and you can point back maybe those things are video recorded and you can you can put in some links and then next time there's a conference in your area or that you want to go to you can do a do a call to papers and you know maybe maybe give a um, a refined, improved version of that talk uh, at the next conference. So it's definitely a good way to go. Like unconferences are, are brilliant. I think the other solution is like get involved in your local user groups. Uh, yeah. If you send an email right. to whoever, whoever runs like the local user group, they are always like desperate for people to give talks. Um, I went up to Newcastle, uh, and it was just about when Fuel PHP was coming out a while ago. And I was like, hey, man, uh, this is a cool group. Do you mind if I give a talk about Fuel PHP? They were like, yeah, fuck yeah. You know, we've got content. Awesome. So even though at that point I'd only ever given talks at like three conferences and they were all, they were all coding writer related and it was like a very close-knit community, I went, that was the first time I gave a talk to like a, a general PHP crowd. And I was, I was shit scared. There was like 40, 50 of us or something. And, and that was the first talk I gave where I didn't know that many people in the crowd. And, and it, really, it really helped out. So if you can if you can get involved with a local user group, give a talk there, maybe get an unconference talk, have a go at that, and then throw your name in for a call to papers. It's like a simple three step process to get up onto these very you know uh, small, then medium, then large conferences. Um, if you want to give a talk about stuff. 
Yeah, I think starting small really makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, even looking at meetup, there are just so many meetup groups in, in so many different cities. So if you find a little group there, that's an excellent way to sort of, even if you're only 10 to 20 people, you can sort of feel out a topic and, and feel a response from that. And you can do your first time, you know, in a, in a very small setting where you learn to be comfortable and then grow it. I think definitely you don't have to start out at a conference with a thousand people. Definitely. Yeah, I think a lot of uh, organizers, too, when they're, especially at the bigger conferences, and me not being one, I'm totally <clears throat> totally speculating here, but I would imagine, um, you know, the, the goal of those organizers is to put on a great conference, and if there's risk in, a, in bringing a speaker in that's never spoke before and it's a huge conference, um, I think that also contributes to some of the some of the reasons we see a lot of the same faces at these big conferences because yeah right, like when know what like, like when you put Ben on for a 45 minute slot and then he only fills 20 minutes and we have to pull <laughs> an extra 25 minutes out of our ass somehow that yeah. asshole that <laughs> ass <laughs> I think from an organizer perspective, you can also, if you if you think you have somebody who's good, but you're not sure they're ready yet to be a speaker, you can propose that they be part of a panel and maybe pair them with somebody good also or let them come up with their own ideas, even if they're just mini talks that play off each other. Some people just need a little bit of like physical reassurance that they're not the only person up there on the stage. And that's a way that you can also have, bring people in in a, in a way that feels a little bit more inclusive. It's amazing the difference that makes. Actually, it's uh, when if you if you're sat in front of 100 and 150 people, you know for a fact that every single one of those people that's not fucking around on their iPhone is staring intently at your face. Right? That's like the scariest thing in the world. Like they're not looking face, at your face. Well, okay. Well, they're looking at my amazing <laughs> body. Obviously, yeah, I understand. My See, that's why you else. just take your pants off at the start, and you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Well, dude, it's like the thing where they say, like, just imagine everyone in the crowd naked. I'm like, most people here are about 200 pounds plus. I don't want to imagine any of them naked. That freaks me out. <laughs> just stare at me. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Uh, <laughs> uh, now I'm more scared. Uh, somebody else said to me, like, oh, dude, just smoke a spliff before you go on there. And relax. I'm like, oh, good. Before I have to go and stand at a whole bunch of people that are staring at me, you want to do something that induces paranoia. Are you fucking mental? <laughs> it's the worst idea in the world. Um, but definitely a beer or two that will help you out if you if you're feeling worried about it. Like, but I've mentioned that about it being scary and it being nervous. But to anyone that's thinking about doing it, you definitely should. I mean, I've yeah, all philosophical and over 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 summarizing things like I often do. Um, but while we've got Jessica on the podcast, uh, something else I really want to talk to uh, to her, to you about is um, is Peers Conf, which is happening in Chicago on when the heck is it? I'm going, so I should know. June 26th to 28th. Uh, could you tell us a bit, a bit more about that, Jess? PeersConf is something I'm so excited about. It started as a group of conversations last fall with uh, people sort of within the Expression Engine community and wondering if there was still going to be a national Expression Engine conference and what that might look like if changes were sort of happening um, that started from EECI last year in the fall. And so at that point, we had done a day conf and we were in the planning stages of the first Laracon, which happened this past February. And I just started talking to people about what if we did a different kind of conference that built on this community and was a little bit more community focused and people focused 
and maybe didn't just exist around one piece of software, but sort of bridged the gap. And so that was another goal of ours to sort of put together a really nice set of talks that was at a high enough level that there was a, a lot to gain to when you were coming to peers. Right, I think it's a really interesting idea for a conference. I mean, if if you're just looking at, it, at this as a new conference that you haven't heard of anything, uh, haven't heard about before, then there's a whole bunch of stuff. There's just general PHP and web development uh, talks that will that will be interesting to you um, as is, like just face value, very interesting conference. Um, but it, it's also got another interesting aspect that you mentioned, like the the history of why it's come into play, um, and it's it's essentially a lot of uh, people that have a history in the Code Igniter and Expression Engine that are all sort of realizing there's a lot more of the internet out there, right? Like, the, it's the same community of people. There's always been a really strong, vibrant, interesting, creative community uh, kind of all coming together and, and talking about other stuff that's, that's not just Code Igniter and, and Expression Engine, but various content management systems. Uh, like, I'm going to be there blathering about Composer and Pyro CMS as always, um, we've got Brandon Kelly talking about Craft CMS, his, his beautiful CMS he's been working on. Um, we've got the Statamic boys there chatting about some things. Um, Taylor Otwell's talking about Laravel for the coding motor developer, which I feel is like a very, um, I was going to say tailored talk, but I, I didn't mean a pun there. Fuck. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's like obviously tailored around, uh, you're a coding motor developer, this is why Laravel's good for you, um, because it's like, it's the, the most actively developed, obvious next step if you're looking for a framework that, that actually has contribution to it. Um, there's a lot of talks there that anyone who's interested in Expression Engine or CI uh, will, be, will be really interested in going to. Um, and and I've, it, it's really interesting. How did, you, how did you pick who was going to talk? Did you just put a shout out? Or? Uh, yeah, it was a combination of... Um sort of speaking to people from last fall and, and finding out who was interested. And th- there were some really great people who weren't able to be involved in the conference from early on who actually just contacted me after we had met in Texas and said, you know, I think you should try to go forward with this and here are some ideas. And what if you, you know, what if we learn things from the Ruby and Rails community? And what if we look to other other ways of doing things? And I want to talk about high-end stuff. So, I was really excited about just trying to put something together that felt a little bit broader and that embraced the different directions that a lot of people in our community are going. And I think that it's exciting for people too. They, they want to go to a conference and learn something new and they want to feel like they're staying on top of things as they're happening. And when we looked at Laracon, again, a really small conference that we threw with very little preparation in some ways, um, certainly a lot of details went into that, but, um, one thing that was interesting to me was that 20% of our attendees came out of that CI and expression engine development community. And so it just kind of feels like the writing is on the wall that people are looking around, they're, they're adding tools to their arsenal and they want to see what else is out there. And we wanted to try to give people a way to learn something new, maybe take a workshop that they wouldn't have access to somewhere else and, and just get to know great people while they're doing it. Right. I think that's an important thing as well. If you're using the same tool for every job, then you're definitely doing it wrong. <laughs> um, that's why I'm interested in this talk, like choosing the right CMS for the job. Obviously, being a, a Pyro CMS guy, you'd expect me to say, Pyro CMS is always good at everything, but like, there's, it's never true that every tool is good at doing everything. So people need to, instead of just learning one and using it forever, like seeing what's around, evaluating your options, and 
and learning when and why the specific tool might be good for a specific job is a very powerful thing. So this will be very I interesting. So. I think so also because a lot of people in our community are small business owners and they may run a small agency or they might be on their own and they might have to realize that as a one woman or one man army, you can't align Sexist. yourself to too many tools. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> So you have to you have to make choices and you have to literally make choices with your own mental resources about how much you can actually learn unless maybe you're Phil and you can learn everything. But, you know, for the rest of us, we have to make choices. And I, th- I think that there's a business side of that, too, um, where especially in D.C., we, we hear a lot about, you know, the government wants open source and it has to be Drupal. And why can how can we steer people towards the tools that we love to use and, and when are they the right choice? So I think that's actually going to be a very interesting and very balanced session. We've had people sort of volunteer from the community to step up and say, ooh, I want to talk about why we make the choices that we do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah, I, I understand why people pick a tool. That's exactly why I used CodeIgniter for like four years. I, I was learning, I, I'd been using PHP for a while, but I sucked at it. And, um, and then CodeIgniter came along and it was like a sea of, you know, a whole ray of unicorns and rainbow, rainbows. And I, I understood how to structure my code and I understood OOP and, and it taught me a whole bunch of things. And then I started building everything with it all the time. Um, and then when I got to a point of realizing there were lots of other tools that I could use to do a job just as well, I was, uh, <laughs> I'd already been that sort of um, typecast guy. Hi, Phil, he's a CodeNighter guy. Get him to build CodeNighter things. And that was just a catch-22. So, so sometimes okay. you're, you're, you're stuck there because it's the only thing you know, and sometimes you're stuck there because people know you like you're a, you're a Rails studio or like you're a Python studio, and you end up stuck in, the, stuck in that rut. But it's uh, always... Absolutely. Always good to learn other things. So that's that's why Taylor's uh, Taylor's talk is so so good. If you're if you are specifically a coordinator guy, um, Taylor can show you in this talk. Like I know pretty much what he's going to say about how you can take your coordinator application, use the same principles that you understand, but just do it with Laravel. And there's loads of things that reduce the number of lines of code, or like you do the same thing and suddenly it actually works with Postgres instead of just pretending it does and all, all of these sort of things that just magically work out of the bots. So. Yeah, I think that Taylor's excited too because Laravel, obviously Laravel 4 just dropped, so that's exciting. Yeah, it was uh, yesterday, and, and people, Tuesday. Yeah, it's just this week. Yeah. So he's been he's been sort of working on all cylinders, and um, and we're excited that he's giving a little workshop also. So it won't just be a talk, but he's actually going to sit down and and code with people and lead them through doing a little application or doing what it is he's going to do. Nice. Um, but I think that a lot of people will be excited about that and be excited to be in the room with him, watching that happen. Yeah, definitely. Um, the the best way to learn Laravel is to talk to Taylor. Um, the entire time he's been developing it, before documentation even existed. <laughs> I, I was building some shit before documentation even existed, and like every day on Skype, I'd be like, Taylor, is broken, help. And he'd just like, he'd be like, give me a pasty of your controller, and he'd send back one that works. I was like, thanks, Taylor. <laughs> so he's, he's definitely, he's a good teacher um, as well. So people will learn, people, people will learn a lot uh, and, and definitely get their money's worth from, from sitting down with him and being able to ask him questions and learn how it works and and it's definitely worthwhile to uh, to to learn learn Laravel from the guy that made it, right? I think so. Run out of things to say. <laughs> That's pretty rare for me. I can usually rant about something. 
<laughs> no, I, I'm more than happy to jump in. Matt, throw in. What you got? Matt, what? I'm sorry you can't join no. us. I think you should move back to Chicago just for this, frankly. I actually, I may be in town that week, but I'll be flying out, I think, that day, the 26th. Are you, are you leaving the conference? Are you leaving the, the state just because I'm coming? Is that? That's, that's part of it. Right. It's kind I of an epic PHP showdown. I, I think you really should be there. No, he's he's leaving one PHP showdown to go to another PHP showdown. I think <laughs> right, that's, right. That's the only reason we're letting him off. Otherwise, like we just bully him into canceling. Yeah. <laughs> it's called PeersConf, well, so there has to be peer pressure. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Well, and I'm and I'm speaking at Lone Star. So. Oh shit! I didn't know you were speaking. What are yeah. you speaking about? I'm speaking about uh, mocking in PHP unit. Ah. Yeah. Uh, a topic near and dear to my heart. Nice. Um, that will be useful. Anything? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where do you stand? Where do you stand on the the, the mock everything or mock nothing uh, discussion? I saw like a uh, three weeks ago or maybe a month ago, um, Fabian Potenza put something put up a tweet saying, uh, "Remember, if you if you mock everything, you're not actually testing everything, right? So you see right. people like trying to trying to mock an entire ORM interaction layer so they can fake." try and catch the SQL string that it was trying to trying to send instead of actually calling the database. Where do you where do you stand on that? Do you mock DB interaction or do you have a fake database running? I typically mock it. Uh, it it really just depends on what I'm doing and it depends what kind of test I'm trying to write. Um, I I think I don't know, I think one of the more confusing pieces in the whole testing conversation is um, you know, if if you want to be really dogmatic about it, you know, if you want to write a unit test, then you know, dogmatically you should mock all the things. Um, but I think what gets lost in that conversation is that you know, if you want to if you want to write an integration test, talking to the database is perfectly acceptable. It just depends on kind of what your needs are, what you're trying to test. Um, like with DB interactions, when I write my mocks, I'm really only concerned that, um, you know, that, that my queries are getting executed when I think they're getting executed. I don't even care a lot of times if they're right. A lot of times when I first start, um, because I, I usually try to practice test-driven development, I don't even care if my queries are right when I start. <laughs> you know, I just I just want to know that what I'm expecting to be called is being called and then later on down the line as I add more tests as I add some integration tests um, that's when I kind of tweak everything okay that makes sense I mean I've had a number of conversations with people they're asking me like do we do integration tests or unit tests and I just say yes um, because people, <laughs> right. people seem to think there's like one or the other that will be the right. most ideal for their application like with Capture what we're doing is we, we uh, use Behat to yeah. to test um, all of, like every every endpoint uh, gets its own um, gets its own feature uh, and and we we basically test the API uh, we're actually we're actually hitting our API putting in data getting data out deleting data manipulating a fake database uh, manipulating a real database just like a testing one uh, mm-hmm. that we wipe at the start of each time we run the tests and then we do all that stuff. And then we, we unit test as many of the components as we can. Um, I've not got around to unit testing my models yet, but that's probably what I'd end up doing, right? Like, um, you'd, I'd fake a fake an eloquent layer, and then right. 
make sure the right things in my model. When I call find all published somethings, it will generate some SQL that looks about right that, that tries to find all the published somethings. But then I'd also have um, integration tests that at much higher level make sure that when I call that URL, it doesn't completely fucking break. Right. <laughs> it's good to have the two. Um, yeah. And I think, too, if, like, like if you're early in a project, like, I'm working on something now where I, I don't really have, like, the data model totally defined yet. Like, I don't... Yeah. I, for me to, to run a bunch of queries on something that I don't know if I'm going to keep any of it, <laughs> and, you know, and testing that and, and creating all the tables um, and is... is to me, is a waste of time. I'd rather wait and implement that, uh, you know, the functional test, the B-hat type stuff, once I kind of know a little bit more specifically what I'm doing. For the time being, I just want to make sure that when I call a certain method that has, you know, database interaction, that that database interaction is being triggered when I expect it to be and not triggered when it shouldn't be. Right. I'm just trying to find... um... I'm trying to find Chris Hartjess's blog. Here it is. You need tests, just not yet. Did you ever see that one? Probably. Okay, well, I'll bung it in the show <laughs> notes. Um, it's, uh, it's a blog about... Um, I can't totally remember. I think he was basically saying, you know, I, I always used to believe uh, in TDD and, and writing some tests, but recently I kind of started to figure out that, um, that you definitely need tests, but not right the fuck away. Like, I, I don't do tests first. I do tests as soon as I reasonably can after writing a feature that works. Um, so the way that, that that works is if I I kind of work, I use RAD a lot, so I'm always like bashing out some code and shoving it up on the server and bashing out some more code. And, and you need to test your code, uh, absolutely. But if you tell all of your developers they have to write their tests first or, um, or write their... Um, you don't have to write their tests first or like if they're just trying out a new thing. While they're building a prototype, if they're writing tests for that prototype, you're literally doubling up the amount of work they have to do, and they're testing code that might either completely change or might never, ever get written. So, okay. so this blog post is, is about kind of write your prototype or like write a feature that probably works. Get it running on your box. Once it's been kind of signed off by, by your boss or whoever, they're like, yeah, we like the way this feature works. We like the way the in, this interface looks. We like, we like most of the stuff about this. Then you start writing tests before you put that shit anywhere near master branch or anywhere near the staging server, right? right. So it's like you'd have to write those t- tests first or like too soon, but you have to do it before we put the shit live because otherwise you're gonna break everything. Right. <laughs> well, and it's yeah. I mean, just having that again, and it, it's you know, I know that testing. I'm gonna use testing kind of as a general umbrella. Um, has gained a lot of traction. Um, in the last year, year and a half or so, more people are talking about it. Um, it's become uh, talked about more often at conferences, a lot more speakers. Um, so we give, you know, Chris a couple weeks off every time at a time. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, we had him on the show talking about testing uh, a while ago yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, but, um, I mean, there's still, d- despite that, there's still a large number of people that don't do it, and... And I think that his point there is absolutely correct. That um, you know, if you're prototyping, yeah, you're you're writing tests for things that you may not keep or things that may not ever work. 
or that might just be a flat-out bad idea, um, which is why I always like prototyping in uh, a different language. I, I heard that concept a little bit ago, huh. where if I'm, if I'm going to write a, a feature, you know, hopefully a small modular type thing, um, I'll do it in Python. Nice. And prove to myself that my concept works, and then make sure I'm not using something in Python that I you know, can't do in PHP um, or that I can't do neatly in PHP, um, and then from there translate it into, into PHP and write my test around it once I know that my concept is, is viable. Nice. Why is it you do that? Is it so? Is that because you find Python easier to develop in? Is that your go-to, or is it so that you cannot be tempted to copy and paste that code and use it as the final product? It's definitely more that more that my temptation would be. I have a working prototype. It works. It's doing everything I want to do. Yeah. Let's let's just integrate it. I don't want Fucking to write it shit. again. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, there's there's a balance though. I mean, there's a balance between. Um, and I think we, as developers, we always fight it between perfection and, and shipping. Yeah. You know, um, but I want this to be as perfect as it possibly can be before five o'clock, at which point I'll probably get on my bike. <laughs> right. Right. So, I mean, I, I think doing that, um, and I started using Python a lot more in the last month, month and a half or so, um, I, I forget where I heard that idea of doing that, of, of prototyping in a different yeah. language than the, the code base is in. But um, if you can think that up, give me a shout and I'll throw it in the okay. show notes. So okay, that'd be handy. Um, I think I think on that note, before we start talking about Python anymore, because uh, because <laughs> then Zach Kitzmiller will be angry that he's not on it because he likes to run about <laughs> Python. Uh, <laughs> before we start talking about anything else, um, that's pretty much a good time to wrap it up. Uh, I think we lost Ben um, about ten minutes ago, uh, so. Um, that's probably that's probably for the best, really. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. You know, no one likes Ben. So. I'm here. Yeah, Damn it! <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, everybody, thanks for coming along. Make sure you all go and buy a ticket to Piers Conf. Uh, I will see you there. Pyro CMS might even buy a round of drinks if we can uh, if we can get the money together. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for coming, uh, Ben, Matt, and Jess. Thank you. Everybody. Thanks a lot. See you next time, guys. Bye. Later. Bye. <laughs> this doesn't usually happen. I'm so embarrassed. I swear it's the first time. <laughs>